Let us pray. So, Father, we do indeed ask that you would help us day by day to trust Jesus more and more. Give us your grace, Father, to do that. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, everyone. Good to see all of you here this morning, and um, good morning to everyone watching via the live stream as well. We're so glad again that you've joined us, and um, just so you all know, I'm not sick. I'm struggling with seasonal allergies, and so the coughing and stuff that you're hearing up here, I'm not going to make you sick with anything. It's just, there's lots of pollen in the air right now. My blue truck is more like a aquamarine color these days, I think, so... Um, <clears throat> I do want to mention as we get started, not this Thursday, but the following Thursday, May 18th, is our Ascension Day service at 7 p.m., and um, there will be child care provided, but we want to encourage all of you to come out for that wonderful event. Is It's really the conclusion of the Easter season, and we observe and commemorate our Lord's Ascension back to the right hand of the Father. <clears throat> Well, today we're focusing again on our gospel reading from St. John's Gospel. And similar to last week, today, again, we are looking at one of the I am sayings of Jesus. We'll do that again next Sunday. Um, Each of these I am sayings that we talked about and I gave a little background on last week speaks specifically of Christ's deity, emphasizing that he, the truth that he is the eternal son of God. We're focusing today on what is arguably one of the clearest of all of Jesus' I am sayings. I am the way and the truth and the life. Verse 6 of our gospel reading. This is one of the clearest, most unequivocal statements by Jesus in all of the gospels regarding his identity, regarding who he is and the essence of his ministry. It is also one of the clearest statements in all of Scripture in terms of the exclusiveness of the gospel of biblical Christianity. To be clear, the gospel is fully inclusive. Forgiveness of sins, the reality of eternal life, and the possibility of a living relationship with God is available to every single person. However, the gospel is absolutely exclusive in the sense that these realities, these truths only become a reality through the person of Jesus Christ and faith in him. Today's gospel reading is part of what is known as the upper room discourse. Those things which Jesus spoke to his disciples on the night that he was betrayed. And the significance of Jesus teaching the upper room discourse shouldn't be missed because it's demonstrated by the fact that out of 21 chapters in St. John's Gospel, six chapters record Jesus' words on that night. That's over 28% of the material in the entirety of John's Gospel. And on this night, when she was betrayed in the midst of this scenario, Jesus makes one of the clearest and most profound statements in all of Scripture when he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That statement was enough to stagger and overwhelm anyone at the time. And this is where I want our focus to remain today. Now, I have three main points, but the first one is this, talking about Jesus as the waymaker. What does it mean when Jesus says that he is the way and the truth and the life? 
Well, I want to look at each of these phrases separately, the way, the truth, and the life, while also connecting each concept because they're inseparably linked together here in what Jesus says. So let's talk about the way. I think we need to begin by asking ourselves, how is Jesus the way? Is it that Jesus is presenting himself as a great moral teacher or as a leader for his disciples to follow or as a guide to his disciples through this earthly life? And each of these things I've just mentioned do capture a component of the truth about Jesus. But he's also saying much, much more than this. <clears throat> because to say he is the way speaks of a connection or a bridge between two persons or things. And to be clear here, this link is between God and sinful human beings, sinful people like you and me. And Jesus is not presenting himself just as a great moral teacher or just as a great leader. In saying, I am the way, Jesus declares himself to be the only means of salvation, the only means of right relationship with God. It's the same thing he said using different imagery last week when we read that he said, I am the door. <clears throat> There is no other means, hear this, there is no other means by which we approach the Father and experience relationship with God and forgiveness. It is only through Jesus Christ. Jesus is, brothers and sisters, indeed the way. And he goes on to say that he is the truth. <clears throat> and we can be assured that he is the way we can have confidence in this reality because he is also the truth. The entirety of Jesus' purpose in coming to earth bears witness to the truth. This is the very essence of his mission. In John chapter 18, verse 37, when he is being, inter being interrogated by Pilate, we read this. <clears throat> then Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And then backing up to chapter 1 of St. John's Gospel, to what we call the prologue of St. John's Gospel, these words describing Jesus. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. <clears throat> Jesus came to both teach us the truth about God and through his very being and his incarnation, his life here on earth to show us the truth. He shows us the truth about God the father. He shows us the truth of our need for God. He shows us the truth of the possibility of relationship with God. And in himself and in his incarnation, incarnation, he shows us the wonderful qualities of the relationship that he has with the Father. And this, through his life and example and ministry here on earth, speaks to us of the quality of relationship God offers to each of us, to you and me, through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the truth. We can be assured of the absolute rightness and trustworthiness of everything he has said and everything he does because he is truth. Third here, Jesus said that he is the life. And speaking of life here, he's not speaking simply of 
physical or biological life, but he's speaking of what in the Greek is known as zoe life. It's spiritual life. It's eternal life that comes from and is breathed into us by God himself. It's supernatural. And he is the life because of the very fact, again, that he is the truth. Life comes through the truth, through Jesus Christ. He is the way that leads to real and everlasting life. Jesus being the life also speaks of his purpose, his mission in coming to earth. In John 10.10, that was part of our gospel reading last Sunday, we heard these words. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The Son, Jesus Christ, gives life to those who believe in him. John 10, 28. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Jesus Christ is the life. Life flows from his very being. And he gives the gift of eternal life to those who fully trust him. As biblical scholar Leon Morris writes, I am the way, said one who would shortly hang impotent on a cross. I am the truth when the lies of evil people were about to enjoy a spectacular triumph. I am the life when within a matter of hours his corpse would be placed in an empty tomb. People try to find all kinds of shortcuts and ways to to somehow earn or gain eternal life through their own efforts or doing things their own way. Presbyterian pastor and author John Ortberg tells the following story. And some of us may be familiar with some of this with riptides, but he said, my friend Jimmy and his son Davey were playing in the ocean down in Mexico while his family, his wife, daughters, parents, and a cousin were all on the beach. Suddenly a rogue riptide swept Davey out to sea. Immediately, Jimmy started to do whatever he could to help Davey get back to the shore, but he too was soon swept away in the tide. He knew that in a few moments, both he and Davy would drown. He tried to scream, but his family couldn't hear him. Jimmy's a strong guy, an Olympic decathlete, but he was powerless in this situation. As he was carried along by the water, he had a single chilling thought. My wife and my daughters are going to have a double funeral. Meanwhile, his cousin, who understood something about the ocean, saw what was happening, and he walked out into the water where he knew there was a sandbar. He had learned that if you try to fight a riptide, you will die. So he walked to the sandbar, stood as close as he could to get Jimmy and Davy, and then he just lifted up his hand and said, you come to me, you come to me. And as they swam along with the riptide toward that sandbar, they were rescued. What's this say to us? Well, John Ortberg continues, if you try to go the way that your gut tells you to go, the shortest distance into the shore you will die. If you think for yourself in a way that excludes God, you will die. But God says, if you come to me, you will live. That's it. Death or life. Doing it through our own strength, our own efforts, going our own way, going against what God has declared will cause us to die and not give us life. Jesus himself, friends, is the way maker. He is the way, the truth, and the life. 
The second major point, we have Jesus as the way maker. Let's talk about the destination. The destination is union, living relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ and eternal life. Look at the second half of verse 6 with me. No one comes to the Father except through me. Did you hear that? The way to God, the way to living relationship with God is absolutely exclusive. It comes only through the one who is the truth and the life. And the destination is eternal life and relationship forever in the presence of God. But life in union with God begins right here and right now through a living relationship with Jesus Christ. And Jesus is, has been, and forever will be the only way. Do we really believe that? Do we? Because if we do, it should stir in us a passion for the gospel. It should stir in you and me a, a burden and a passion from God that is given by God to share our faith, to share the good news of the gospel of salvation and life through Jesus Christ with those we encounter. It should bring to our hearts and lives a burden for the lost, for those who don't know Christ. The great preacher of the 18th century, George Whitfield, put it this way. God forbid that I should travel with anyone a quarter of an hour without speaking of Christ to them. It's why we need to, in greater measure, emphasize and become a part of missions here in our community, across the country, and all the way around the world. People need to hear the good news of the gospel. Scripture makes it very clear that none is without excuse or with, with excuse because of general revelation. Romans 1.20, for the, his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. But people don't come to faith in Jesus Christ through what we call general revelation. And there is a wrong and er 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 erroneous and unscriptural thinking that has crept into some circles, this idea that somehow people that have not heard the gospel because they've never had an opportunity to respond to Jesus are enfolded in and are, are believers and will, will experience eternal life ultimately. That's not biblical. And if that were true, then why would we go and share the gospel with them and risk the possibility that they wouldn't respond to salvation in Christ and experience then eternal separation from God? We'd be better off to leave them in their ignorance regarding the gospel and let them take their chances. Where this line of thinking would really exclude the need to experience the reality of Christ's sacrifice. The fact that Christ died to bear our sin in our lives. And some people say, well, that doesn't seem fair. But that is coming from a humanistic, human temporal perspective because what is, the issue is really not fairness. What is fair is that nobody would be redeemed, that God would allow us to die in our trespasses and sin. The reality is the knowledge of the truth of God through the centuries and the millennia has been obscured by human sinfulness. 
And this line of thinking is absolutely contrary to the entirety of scripture, especially the words of Jesus we're looking at today where he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. One Christian writer put it this way. You might want to talk from your heart somewhere around here about how heartbreaking it is, and indeed it is, to know that people who seem so good and kind, people who give of themselves to help others even though they don't know Jesus, are not heaven-bound. The right response isn't for us to argue with God about what isn't fair, but to let our concern for these friends, neighbors, co-workers drive us to do everything we can to make sure they have repeated opportunities to hear the truth of who Jesus really is. If we believe that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life, the only way and the truth and the life then complacency about telling those around us about him isn't an option. The destination is eternal life with God, union with God through Jesus Christ. And then finally, the confirmation. The disciples knew Jesus. They knew him well enough to leave their homes, their friends and families and their livelihoods to follow him. They believed in him, but they were still coming to a full measure of understanding of Jesus and his mission. But as they came to know and in knowing Jesus fully, they also came through him to know the Father. Because they had seen God in the flesh in Jesus. That's what Jesus says in our reading today. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 1 tells us this. He, speaking of Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of of his nature, and he upholds the universe by his, the word of his power. To know. It speaks not simply of cognition, of head knowledge, but personal, intimate, firsthand knowledge and experience. And that kind of understanding and relationship with God only comes through Jesus Christ. In knowing Jesus as the way and the truth, and the life. And through that, we know God in all of his fullness. That's our confirmation, brothers and sisters, that we can and do know Christ. And through Christ, we know God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in fullness. Now, I know some of what we're talking about today, you might say, is kind of old hat. We've heard all of this before at one time or another. And I trust we truly believe it. But it is imperative that we understand these things because the world's thinking has clearly crept into the church of Jesus Christ, especially in the Western world. Just last September, so this is very recent, just last September, um, Lifeway Research was a Baptist organization and Ligonier Ministries, which is um, primarily Presbyterian, did a um, large survey among people who identified as evangelical Christians. Now, uh, full disclosure here, um, what the word evangelical meant historically and what it means now are sometimes very different. And I, I even shy away from the term because in the past decade or two, it's become something very other than what has been known as historically. And it's become almost a political term, which is a huge problem. But, but hear this, people who identified as being um, Christians are committed to the authority of God's truth. 
56% of evangelical respondents affirm that God accepts the worship of all religions. That is universalism. That is not biblical Christianity. Even more problematic, hear this. 70, this is last September. 73% agreed with the statement that Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God. Yeah. Amen. Jesus is eternally existent. You know, there are, there are things that as Christians, there are different levels of doctrine. There are, and we don't, none of us get everything right. Let's, let's be honest about that. But there are things that are, you know, kind of like a pyramid up at the top that we can agree to disagree on as Christians. But we're talking about things that are foundational, that are deal breakers, that are essentials to the faith when we talk about these kinds of things. 43% affirmed that Jesus was a great teacher, but that he was not God. 60% said that the Holy Spirit is a force and not a personal being. What happened to the third person of the Trinity? And 57% agreed with the statement that everyone sins a little, but most people are good by nature. That is not what the Bible teaches, brothers and sisters. That is secular thinking and universalism and humanism and all these other things pouring into our thinking. We have to stand for and live in a loving, gracious, Holy Spirit-filled, powerful way the truth and the reality of the gospel. Jesus is the way maker. He alone, he alone is the way and the truth and the life. He alone enables and empowers us to reach that destination, to have eternal life and the forgiveness of sins and living relationship with God that comes through Jesus Christ. And the confirmation is to have a living faith in Jesus who continues to transform us and make us new and to know God and to know these truths to be sure and certain and a genuine reality. Do we know him? Are we growing daily to know him more? Are we burdened to share the good news, the glorious news of who Jesus is with those we encounter every day and to see this gospel proclaimed to the ends of the earth? That's what God calls us to to live for Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life, and allow his presence and his power and his love and his truth to infuse our lives in such a way as individuals, as a church family, that we become bearers of that life of Jesus that touches others all around us and brings them in, not through our power, but as God through us, God the Holy Spirit, he, not the, some force, but he draws them in and brings them into a living relationship together with us. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that in your great mercy, while we were dead in our trespasses and our sins, 
at just the right time, you sent your son Jesus to redeem us, to die for the sins of the world, to shed his life's blood on the cross, to accomplish and win for us that which we could never earn or accomplish for ourselves. Father, instill in our hearts the reality that Jesus is the eternal Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to you except through him. And fill our hearts and our lives with love for those who need to hear the gospel. Lord, make us about your business, the business of your kingdom above all else in this world. And use us, I pray, that the gospel may reach to the ends of the earth. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.